All right, guys, welcome to another episode of Wisdom with Him. I'm your host, Samir. I'm looking forward to diving deep with you today. I've got a very special guest, Steve Kinez, and uh, we're live from Capos, Costa Rica. And uh, this conversation is one that I've been wanting to have. Um, it's been a very intuitive, synchronistic trip here in Costa Rica. And uh, as some of you may or may not know, I've been here for about two months and have extended that trip because of the magic here and the Pura Vida lifestyle. And uh, it started back uh, originally in Capos for me. And I was in the coffee shop and just doing my own thing. And uh, my good friend Steve just came out of nowhere and uh, bumped heads with me and was like, hey, where are you from? What are you doing? What are you enjoying here? And uh, from there, we completely connected and we've gone on trips now. We've traveled together throughout Costa Rica. Um, but Steve is, is, is a legend. He's the original OG. And uh, in connecting with Steve, I've gotten to know somebody very well and realize what it's like when you keep showing up in life, making yourself uncomfortable, stepping into the unknown, facing your fears. Um, Steve's a mountain climber. He's climbed base, uh, base camp of Mount Everest, uh, Alaska's Mount McKinley, uh, Kilimanjaro, uh, a mountain that we're wanting to do together again next year. Um, but yeah, Steve, is, uh, he's lived a life. And so I'm really looking forward to uh, opening up this conversation here today with you, Steve. And thanks for joining me. Yeah, hi. Thanks, Samira. Thanks for uh, inviting me here. And uh, uh, I don't know. I just want to relax because I have some unfounded fears about my appearance online or whatever, but I'm going to do the best that I can. I don't consider myself a big eloquent speaker, but... Uh, no, you're good. You know, uh, <clears throat> Costa Rica and the adventures in Central America was uh, on my radar for a long time. And... Uh, when I was married, I mean, I thought we were going to have some trip uh, down here uh, after we had raised our kids. I raised my kids. I helped my ex-wife raise her kids, and we're looking forward to doing this together. But uh, unfortunately, through the COVID uh, pandemic, pandemic, I mean, there was a, a break in the marriage and eventual separation and divorce. And uh, then I was sort of stuck wondering, well, what do I do now? I mean for my age and where I'm at in my life. And the little interior intuitive voice kept saying, you know, continue on with your plan for your life and go to Costa Rica. So um, that's what I did. I mean, you know, quite soon after the divorce was final uh, in February, 2022, I bought some tickets and thought I'm gonna come down here and not live the luxurious life of um, somebody who's being taxied around in elegant hotels, but as a 70-year-old backpacker with, you know, 42 liters uh, or 40 pounds on my back and uh, in a 42-liter backpack and uh, do it like the locals do it. Take buses, take Ubers, take taxis, shuttle if you need to, but just stay and book your rooms, figure out where you're going to go next, go to... Um, you know, booking.com or Airbnb or hostelworld.com and figure out what mm -hmm. you got to do next mm -hmm. and how do you take care of yourself in that uh, effort, you know. But uh, anyhow, I ended up in San Jose and I have a friend up in San Jose who directed me to Capos, which I never heard of before, by mm -hmm. the way. So, I mean, I, I didn't know where Capos was. I didn't know what it was all about. So I just, on his word uh, and recommendation, I bought a ticket 
a bus ticket to Capos and I came and uh, got here in the afternoon and the next day I mean I was just wandering around town exploring the places and I stopped into a little restaurant cafe uh, Tentation, and uh, I seen a guy there with a straw hat and uh, he was just talking to his friends somewhere and just so excited about what he was doing in Capos here. So that happened to, to be Samir, the host of this uh, uh, podcast. And uh, I didn't say anything to him. I was just enjoying watching him enjoy his time there and his excitement and sharing that with family and friends. And I did happen to see him the next day or the day after that. And I just said, uh, hey, how's things going here? And uh, we just connected briefly, you know, in communication and uh, started sharing with each other. And I don't know if we met that day or stayed long in communication or whatever, but we ended up becoming friends. And I was sharing with him my vision for my adventure here in Costa Rica where I wanted to go and uh, it seemed like our timelines were lining up and we eventually started planning some uh, adventures together in the north part of the uh, country that's more remote and harder to get to where there's the largest volcano uh, in Costa Rica or maybe in Central America I'm not sure a, a giant magnificent lake up at this RNL uh, volcano and um, Monteverde means Green Mountain. It's up in the mountains and it's a very completely different kind of environment up there. Very cold and windy and they have the longest zip lines in the world up there and the Tarzan swing and some crazy extreme adventures at Extremo Park, Monteverde Mm -hmm. and hot uh, springs, hot water uh, in the river and uh, just, you know, Pura Vida. And if you don't know what Pura Vida means, the locals here in Costa Rica, that's been their go-to saying cliche for a long time it's not just always hello goodbye they can greet you as a hello or as a goodbye or any situation or any time of the day with pura vida and in spanish the translation is pure life so they figure out that they have a pure life here fresh fruits and vegetables and uh, low stress and take life as it comes and uh, samir and i just started experiencing pura vida (laughs) And it's been wonderful, you know, and uh, I wanted to find myself uh, basically after that, uh, you know, long period of separation and divorce. I didn't know if my life was over. It was a fresh beginning, a fresh chapter. So to come down here was just to, you know, step into the unknown and step out of my comfort zone and uh, see if I can do this. You know, I mean, in the past, I was able to travel quite extensively abroad and, on mountain climbs and adventures and uh, you know somehow it all turned out wonderful and came to be you know better than I expected always and uh, somehow over the years I didn't think it was possible that I was deserving of that new and wonderful chapter in life new wonderful experience new wonderful adventures you know and uh, life spirit God you know, energy, whatever you call it. I mean, it's proved to me that, you know, I'm here, I'm deserving. There's always something in life um, for you. I mean, you know, you just have to be open-minded enough to wait for that or to hear that, you know, the, 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 the divine intuition. I mean, there's no speaking through the burning bush anymore and nobody's coming to save me. I have to do all this on my own and I have to show up daily, suit up and show up we say in 
more shall be revealed to me, you mm -hmm. know, day by day as mm -hmm. I show up, more is revealed. And so my travels along Costa Rica, I had sort of like a rigid itinerary that mm -hmm. I wanted to do and I was going to go here and here and here and here and see all the tourist spots and the places that I thought I needed to be. But I see that that was um, fluid now, you know, I skipped places, I added places, I cut down on places that I wanted to be. I, I've had the experience that I was supposed to have, not the one that I thought mm. I should have. So, I mean, I brought a book along with me. It's Eckhart Tolle. It's uh, The Power of Now. And I've been reading that. I still haven't gotten about halfway through it. But, I mean, there, there's a lot of power in the now, you know, and to not really think about the future, even five minutes from now, even mm -hmm. an hour from now, even tomorrow, or the past is already gone. Five minutes ago is gone. And the power lies in the now, in that presence, in that consciousness, in the breath, and the contentment that I have there without my mind being out to get me, so to speak. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. it wants to dictate all the things that should or shouldn't happen in my life, you know. Mm -hmm. So it, th this was a, a, not just a, a traveling adventure, but it was a introspective journey mm -hmm. within where I got to look at myself and see how distracted I am with my 100,000 random human thoughts every day that I know, realize, or don't know that I'm thinking. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, so here they're all here, they're coming and going, and it's like that for everybody. I don't think mm -hmm. I'm so unique. I think it's a human condition. I mean, when I read some Hindu Vedas and Upanishads from thousands of years ago, it said man is always in conflict with himself. You mm -hmm. know, he wants this but doesn't want this. The angel on one shoulder speaking, the devil on the other shoulder speaking. Cartoonish analogies, mm -hmm. obviously, but I mean just the, the force. May mm -hmm. the force be with you. So what do I choose to listen to? What do I choose to buy into? What do I choose to just mm -hmm. let go? And so I've learned to constantly let go and let go and let go and let go, you know. And uh, <clears throat> I feel like I'm ready to go back for a while, you know. And um, your host, Samir, here, uh, him and I, talked about what's there to go back to, to Canada or to the United States. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you can live your life here and make your money here or spend your money here, I mean, this is paradise here, mm -hmm. basically. It's, uh, like I said, fresh food, mm -hmm. fresh water. You drink the water right from the tap. I mm -hmm. mean, there's no need for hot water. You mm -hmm. just take your shower. I mm -hmm. mean, <laughs> there's only one water here, mm -hmm. and it's what comes out of the tap in mm -hmm. the shower. I mean, it's magnificent, sometimes a little chilly, sometimes wonderful sometimes not chilly enough but uh, you know I'll just regress a little bit you know Samir and I we got to go from I met him in Capos and then we got up into the northern parts of the country and the area called Guanacaste and in Guanacaste there's a city called Nicoyo and Nicoyo Peninsula and this is one of the blue zones of the world if you never heard of the blue zones it's where people have a high percentage tendency to live to 100 years old so mm -hmm. uh, maybe six or seven or eight people out of 10 I'm not so sure of the statistics mm -hmm. you can search it yourself they live to be a ripe old age and, mm -hmm. and get by really well without being you know confined to wheelchairs and nursing homes mm -hmm. and they're, they're living their life and part of that is food and stress lack of stress and family and friendships and you know uh, there's a lot of different things. We have one in the United States too. It's from Loma Linda, California. It's a group of 
Seventh-day Adventists who eat and worship and create their life around a peaceful situation for a lot of ways. But we went up there, Samir and I, to uh, you know witness what they what they're doing up there, the people. And uh, there's a really cool uh, area, touristy spring breakish kind of thing, where it's uh, you know surfing town, uh, Tamarindo. So we eventually worked our way over there and. Uh, that's where our paths kind of split up again, you know, and uh, I went my way, and I worked my way to southern Costa Rica. He stayed up there working and whatever was necessary for him to do, and I eventually made my way down to Panama, and I wanted to enjoy Panama, but I had an experience in Russia some years ago that uh, sort of freaked me out. I mean, you know, I had a situation where I couldn't leave Russia when I was living over there, despite the fact I was a Russian citizen and acquired Russian citizenship, where... I felt like I was stuck in the matrix. So I went to Panama and I had a big itinerary for myself, but I mean, the border was not that easy to get across both Costa Rica and the Panama and back again. And there was a lot of nuances that I had not planned for. So it was sort of a trip that was a learning lesson. It was a learning curve for me. So I went down there and I got through that. And now I believe I can get through any border around the world, you mm -hmm. know what I mean? And uh, I became adept doing that although i didn't see a whole lot and then eventually i just wanted to keep moving north again and i've been drawn to this capos for a long time it's a beautiful small town it's so easy to navigate get to know manu antonio is another cool place where there's the most famous national park in costa rica nearby in a short bus ride away and uh, there's an exclusive yacht club here in capos where we hang out down there and we have food down there and break bread and enjoy each other and conversations and sunsets and the aura of that. So unfortunately, you know, uh, I'll be leaving next week to come back to the United States after two months. Samir's been here about two months as well and uh, he's going to continue on and I'm going to go back to <coughs> my little life in Pennsylvania and uh, organize everything as such so I can continue on traveling into the future. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, and I, I don't want to sit there and, um, you know, I'd rather rust out than rot away, basically, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, if I got to um, rust out moving, you know, mm -hmm. my body, I mean, I believe there's a lot of life left in the periods of your life after 50 years old, you know. I mean, it's all in your luck, DNA, how you take care of yourself, uh, food, exercise, nutrition, mental health. I mean, so there's a lot there, but... Uh, I'm looking forward to some more adventures here, South America, the former Yugoslavia, Eastern Europe, Western Europe. The world is open. The world's open, mm -hmm. yeah, so. Um, yeah, it's one of those things like, for people who are uh, gonna see the video on YouTube, Steve, Steve is 70, but he doesn't look 70. Everyone who, who meets Steve thinks he's, you know, early 50s and it's the energy. And that was something that I immediately sensed when we first connected. It was like, <laughs> I think in that in that initial interaction, that what stuck out the most, we, we spoke for five minutes before you gave me your card and you're like, I got a jet, let's connect for coffee. And in that five minutes we talk about You've climbed, you've climbed Mount Everest. I'm like, have you seen 14 Peaks on Netflix? And I'm like, I just saw it before coming to Costa Rica, and I was so inspired by that movie. And here I am meeting a, a, a living legend who's climbed oh. mountains. And the reality of what that is is, you know, it's showing up. It's willpower. It's facing the unknown. It's facing fear. And I think I remember pretty clearly in our first conversation, as we started to connect, you know, we were both dialoguing about our own fears coming to Costa Rica. There you were in Pennsylvania thinking, 
you know, am I gonna be safe? I don't know the language. You know, am, am I gonna get scammed? They don't have street addresses here. Am I gonna find the place? I was back in Canada thinking that, the only difference being is I don't feel as financially secure, so I'm thinking to myself, okay, how am I gonna make this happen, you know? But I'm also thinking, I don't know the people, I don't know a single person there. But something intuitively had been calling me too, and the way we connected and the way our journey had continued and has cont continued on, it's shown me how life takes care of you. And mm -hmm. you know, the way the mind still, regardless of age, brings up fear and the fears that come up can really like you know they can keep you paralyzed they can keep you stuck in living the same life and you know with this pandemic in the last two years it was a lot of rinse and repeat a lot of groundhog days and you know for me i was seeking adventure i was wanting to see animals and wildlife and i wanted to just step into that unknown and and see what else what else was out there and so when we connected, I felt like immediate sense of like friendship, like I've known you without knowing you. And, uh, you know, I think right from the get, our dialogue went deep. And, you know, for me, spirituality, connecting about consciousness, it's not a conversation you can have with everyone, but it's a constant conversation I love having. And so, mm -hmm. you know, our journey has been filled with dialoguing about, you know, our independent journeys and what it's been like overcoming ourselves in different ways. And. I think it's one of those very commendable, but it's also something that has shown me through your own action. You got to keep showing up. You have to face your fear. You know, now we both said it, but you feel like a local now, you know, from taking photos. Tell, tell me a little bit about what that experience has been like for you. To feel like a local. Yeah. To now from moving it from, from that fear back in Pennsylvania, you know, two months out, you're thinking, what is it going to be like over there to yeah. now? You know, I have friends <clears throat> that are my age or close to my age, and they have already, it seems like, given up, basically. Mm -hmm. They move slow throughout their day. The big deal is to go to the grocery store or maybe cook something, cut your grass, and uh, hit a, uh, you know, a social event in the evening, possibly, mm -hmm. for an hour or two. I mean, you know, it's, uh, and I've always had, I don't know, strange bird where I had higher aspirations than that, you know, and mm -hmm. uh, I make things difficult for myself to overcome. And uh, in overcoming them, there's a lot of growth, basically. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, I was sharing with you yesterday, I took a short taxi ride when I first showed up here. I seen I wasn't that far from town, but I just didn't know if I was going to get back. Every street corner, I'm taking a picture of the next street corner. Mm -hmm. How can pigeon my way back like whenever you leave a crumb of bread you know and find mm -hmm. my way back home again and uh, you know being a local now is I know where to go I know what I need I know uh, any place I can uh, possibly be how to do it when I first came here I had a little ear infection how do I get medical help do I have to pay for that whatever I don't want to let this go too far and uh, it's a wonderful feeling where you just feel like you fit in mm -hmm. basically you know and uh, this is a place where definitely is very easy to feel like you fit in because somehow we share when we talk with foreigners I mean you could be retired or be working in America or Canada you know your life is so busy the hamster on the wheel essentially you got to run to the Starbucks and go through the drive-through and hit Planet Fitness and go here and it it's a whirlwind of activity and I used to value that to have numerous things on my calendar because I could add things to the calendar, delete it off, add, delete. It's so unfulfilling because there's always more stuff, you know, mm -hmm. and it's hard to breathe easy and, and deep and, and, and fulfilling, basically. And here, 
I had to learn how to essentially do nothing, mm. you know, uh, to wake up and have nothing to do. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, I make an itinerary for myself, take a walk, meet with a friend, go down to the outdoor gym and work out, do things, you know, but not at a frantic pace, basically, and almost to the point of being slightly bored at times, because you see, you have... I've seen I had this inner anxiety mm. that needs to keep moving, you yeah. know, and keep moving instead of just sitting here and where am I at now yeah. in the moment? You yeah. know, I'm, I'm here now. I'm a part of the overall. I mean, the, the the energy of the universe, the God self. I mean, I'm right here now, and it doesn't really matter what's a few minutes from now mm -hmm. or later on. It doesn't matter what's already happened. It's just mm -hmm. it's just a story that my mind tries to tell me that's so important, but it's really not important. Yeah. Because the most important is to just be here now and to be me, you know, and to be here in this moment. And in the moment, I create the events that become the past, that I have memory of, that I don't have to feel that I need to keep going to the past and living in my past, or the anxiety of the future. How's that gonna be on my bus tomorrow, going to San Jose, is the Uber going to be in conflict with the red taxi drivers? Am I going to find the tower where I'm staying? Are they going to let me in early? Mm. Isn't that ridiculous, the thought? Mm -hmm. I mean, just on my little moving mm -hmm. accommodations tomorrow, look what I can bring up and mm -hmm. conjure up for myself, you know, and just trip with. I mm -hmm. mean, you know, so really all that's not important. I need to trust my higher self that everything is in order. I have a place... Uh, reserved already and, mm -hmm. and I know the address and I know the phone number and everything's going to happen and, and just go mm -hmm. and I mean live your life because life is so precious it happens so fast all of a sudden you're 31 and you can't believe it and then you're 41 and you think that's not possible and then you're 51 and mm -hmm. it's like whoa that's a big milestone and then you're 61 and 71 I'm thinking hey where's it go so mm -hmm. we only have today we only mm -hmm. have the moment we only have now make those experiences as ridiculous as it sounds, write your own obituary mm -hmm. right now, today. Mm -hmm. And if you don't like how that obituary reads, mm -hmm. you better start making some adventures and experiences mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. fill that obituary up with everything you want it to say yeah. while you have the time that you have left here on Earth. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, we're going to transition at some point, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and... Um, I certainly don't like the notion of that because I kind of like it here, yeah. especially in Capos, yeah. man, you yeah. know, and, uh, <laughs> and God's given me a life, you know, that I say that I probably don't even deserve, but he's given it to me, whatever God is, him, her, it, mm -hmm. being, you know, and, and, and I'm grateful for that, you know, and uh, it's my job to show gratitude for that, mm. you know, for what has been bestowed upon me, I should, the minimum. Mm -hmm. be grateful for that mm -hmm. because I live the life of magnificence mm -hmm. I mean you know I get to wake up and breathe air mm -hmm. do you like coffee make a nice cup of coffee mm -hmm. do you like green tea make a nice cup of green tea mm -hmm. you need to hydrate take some fresh Hefley Springs water man mm -hmm. you know whatever it takes to nurture yourself man mm -hmm. you know because we need to love ourselves the world has been full of people and situations that program me that I shouldn't love myself. Mm -hmm. I should kind of uh, be hard on myself, mm -hmm. you know, and, and I don't want that anymore. Mm -hmm. That served its purpose as a protection mm -hmm. to survive when I was young. I mean, mm -hmm. the, the inner child, 
a little abused child, mm -hmm. whatever, and a neglected child who didn't get what he wanted, you know, and now, you know, everything is here, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's what you want and what you need, mm -hmm. and to work towards that. Yeah. I mean, financial stability, travel, whatever's on your radar, I mm -hmm. mean, most important, you got to figure out what the radar is, mm -hmm. you know, to listen to that still voice inside and uh, guidance, mm -hmm. where's my guidance, where do I go with this, mm -hmm. you know, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, like learning to listen has been... This, this whole journey for me for, from leaving Canada to coming to Costa Rica has been about trust. You know, having faith in the unknown, listening to myself. I had that intuitive hunch first. It came up last year around December where I just sensed Costa Rica and I was like, I need to, I need to leave in March. I don't know where I'm going yet. Mm -hmm. And then January came up really loud and it was like Costa Rica and I kind of got excited. I also kind of got scared and I was like, Maybe somewhere else, you know, maybe maybe go look at Europe. Let me look at the, you know, something about the, the wildness of, you know, Central America, South America is like, it's it's not on the North American grid, you know? There isn't that Western convenience, you know? And there's jungle here. There's jungle here. There's wild predators. And monkeys. And, and animals <laughs> and crocodiles and, you know, and that's been also very interesting to see that Costa Rica isn't what I thought it was, you know? I thought it was going to be a lot more intense with the bugs and the wildlife and stuff but there's cities there's some normality there's like you know you find a flow and it's not as bad as you think in that sense and um you know making that decision off of an intuition which is to come to costa rica and you know dealing with my own ruminating thoughts of fear back and forth for about a month before actually planning to commit and book the ticket because there was a lot of unknowns right the real only yes was coming from inside and then coming here it has been such harmony and synchronicity and a meeting of these kind of connections, heart connections with people that were, were essentially strangers, but now friends. But mm -hmm. it's like, how is that possible? And how is it possible that uh, I had an awareness somewhere inside that if I made this trip, you're going to have positive experience, you know, and, you know, from meeting, you know, people at the Airbnbs to meeting you and having so many conversations with people that, I never could have imagined I would have had, you mm -hmm. know, and have opened up as a result of. And again, there's a lot of the mind that can come in around trying to control the situation, trying to control what is what does my next week look at? What does the next month look? How is my finances going to work? Mm -hmm. And and it is a lot of that pure vida mindset very much seeps into you. You realize tourists and the locals all kind of have a sense they don't know what's happening the next day or week, but they're all making it through and there's this kind of wild chaos that has a rhythm to it that everyone's mm -hmm. trusting. And I think over these two months, I'm grateful that I've extended my trip because it's allowed me to settle into it and realize, oh, you can, you can live your life completely in the moment and everything works out, everything's taken care of, you know? And all those like hypothetical stresses that create that anxiety inside was just my own thinking, was my own sense of, uncertainty in life that life would catch me if I made that step into the unknown and so mm -hmm. you know that's kind of where my my trip has continued in that fashion from you know even intuitively I had that sense back in Tamarindo was like I think me and Steve are gonna part here for a bit and it didn't feel like it was a goodbye it just felt like this is the place I have to stay here for a little bit and that opened up certain doors 
and you needed to go on your journey and and experience okay you know we weren't attached to the hip it was like let's walk let's journey together and then when that time comes we're going to continue and we stayed in touch and mm-hmm. you know for you to find your way as you made your way down south all the way to panama and had all those rich experiences that was you trusting listening okay i'm not going to be with samir now we're like it's nice when you have a friend you can backboard thoughts you know come back into clarity and then you realize no okay i know what i'm doing mm-hmm. but there is something about learning to fully trust and listen to yourself and really realize there like you said there's no one else to piggyback off of so you're like i need to figure out how to do it and in that figuring out there's such an immense sense of self-confidence and self-clarity that comes in of like okay i made the right choice or if you didn't make the right choice you make a new choice and you come back onto the path you know but um i kind of want to ask you a couple of those questions around some of the mountaineering background because i know a lot of people like you know now that 14 peaks netflix documentary that came out with nims and him talking about what it was like it, I think people are more aware of this, the magnitude of what it is to actually go climb a mountain. Now actually being able to sit and talk with you, you know, what was that journey like? I know we talked a little bit yesterday, but that first experience of going after your first mountain, what was the, the call inside you to do that? What inspired you? How did you do it? And then mm-hmm. if you wouldn't mind sharing a bit from that first mountain through your journey of- Sure, yeah. absolutely. Well. Um I was doing a lot of working out and I was uh, over 40 already and uh, <clears throat> I have a young I, well, I had a young son now he's uh, you know a young man and uh, I was sort of trying to think about what we could share in a father-son kind of um, you know activity that we could take all our lives together you know mm-hmm. and somehow I was from Pennsylvania and I thought hunting would be a good thing with him and so we went up to the Marble Mountains of Northern California, a very rugged, remote place, looking for bear. Now, don't judge me on my, you know, <laughs> <laughs> hunting adventures, prowess, whatever it is, what I did at the moment. But really, we had a great adventure up there, hiking and camping, and, you know, didn't shoot any little yogi bear or anything, mm-hmm. thank God. So, yeah. But on the way home, there's a beautiful mountain in Northern California. It's called Mount Shasta, and it's about mm-hmm. 15,000 feet somewhere on or about around there and it's beautiful green forests then rock bands and then snow-capped mountains and I just seen that driving home and I thought what a beautiful magnificent looking mountain I'd like to stand at the top of that and the next voice that came to me was you know you can't do that you're just a western Pennsylvania steel town guy and you're I mean you're coal miner stock, steel mill stock, you couldn't do that. But I had already accomplished enough in my life where I understood that I could do whatever I put my mind to do. Mm. So I came back home, I called up about a mountain guide. I studied, uh, didn't study, I mean, I just made a date to go for this mount, a day and a half or two day mountain climb in Northern California. I think it was within a couple of weeks. I went up there, I bought some cheap gear, rented some uh, boots and crampons and an ice axe from the mountaineering store and uh, went up there and climbed the mountain. Well, you know, I got to the top and got the triumphant pictures, you know, and uh, somehow I declared myself a mountain climber, you Mm -hmm. know, I was Mm -hmm. in good shape. Mm -hmm. Cleaned up my life. I was doing, you know, step aerobics Mm -hmm. and a lot of aerobics and anaerobic exercises uh, quite frequently, five, six, seven days a week. And I was in good shape so I fancied myself a mountain climber and uh, I started exploring mountains and about that time there was a book out and it was called The Seven Summits and it's still a book out 
and it was by Dick Bass and somebody else, and they were two wealthy guys. One was an executive at uh, Warner Brothers, and another was another executive somewhere. And they set out to climb the highest mountains on all the seven continents. So the book was called The Seven Summits, and uh, picked that book up, discovered it, it was recommended to me. I started getting involved in the mountain climbing community. There was a, a big newspaper ad in the local newspaper in California. It was about an older stockbroker who was going to Mount Everest to climb Mount Everest to mm. try to be the oldest man to summit Mount Everest. Mm. And it said that he worked at uh, you know a stock brokerage in another town close by. And I looked him up. I looked the stock broker he placed up the telephone number. I called. He said, come on down, let's have lunch. You oh, know? wow. So he became a mentor for me. Wow. You know? We did a lot of mountains together back again up Shasta and, and other things. And uh, so from this one year in Mount Shasta, I decided to go to Mount McKinley in Alaska, mm. which was a step, many steps above yeah. uh, California and the United States, 14,000 foot peaks, basically, where mm -hmm. there's a number of them in Colorado and two mm. in California. But uh, that was like a real... Nepalese kind of Himalayan adventure mm. up there where it was, yeah. could be minus 40 uh, and you don't even have any visibility and you mm. can fall into a bottomless crevasse and never be seen from again and you have rope teams and whatever so gathering equipment is a big part of that you know I mean uh, to have the equipment to enable you to survive mm -hmm. basically and then the knowledge I mean so book reading getting involved with groups and how long was that excursion for Mount McKinley? You're supposed to be prepared for about four weeks because you can really be trapped in your okay. tent for days or wow. even a week at a time. But uh, they drop you in on a little Piper Cub on some glacier. The longest glacier in the world is the Cahiltna Glacier. Mm -hmm. I think it's, I forget, 25 to mm -hmm. 45 miles long. And they drop you in on there. You take off from this little airfield on wheels, and then the wheels roll up, and then there's skis, and you fly in there, and they, they dump you off. With wow. all your stuff, the biggest backpack you can find, and a sled to pull, because you have to be prepared. You need each, I think, about four gallons of white gas. You have to melt snow to have drinking water, three, four to five liters a day. You have to melt snow to cook your dehydrated foods and stuff. So and then if you were trapped for a week or more, what would you do? I mean, so... And anyhow, the thing progressed. You know, I had the mind on those seven summits, and then uh, I got... in invited with a, fr a different stockbroker friend. He did the first uh, Russian-American peace marathon through Moscow, so he called this client, uh, Runners for Peace and he wanted to do another project. And I said, well, the highest mountain in Europe is in southern Russia on the European side of Russia, because Russia is European and Asia uh, divided by the Ural Mountains. So, we put together Ukrainians, Russians, and Americans to climb the highest mountain in Europe, in southern Russia, as a peace project, Climax wow. for Peace, in 1997. We planned that from my living room for a year. I was one of the uh, founding fathers of this, a, a charter member of this group, and we didn't know how to get Ukrainians together. We didn't know how to get Russians together, mm. and somehow, through fluke emails to Bill Clinton, who, whatever, I mean, mm -hmm. through State Departments, it all came to be and we show up over there uh, in, in Russia in the Caucasus Mountains that border like Georgia and Iran and all that down that part of the world and uh, very interesting but there was uh, you know 
17, 18 Americans, 7, 18 Ukrainians, a few Russians, and uh, very severe weather conditions. I was one of the three Americans to climb to the top. They waited for better weather the next day, which never came. Mm. And a few Ukrainians made it too. And uh, it just progressed. From there, I went to Aconcagua in South America, almost 23,000 foot mountain on the, in the Andes Mountains, Chile and Argentina border. And I summited that mountain, one out of four, two out of four people that got to the top of that mountain. And, uh, and Australia is a small mountain. I mean, it's nothing significant to, to speak about. We went to Kilimanjaro, put an expedition together. So it was rolling. And I, the ones that I missed out on was Everest, which was quite dangerous and quite expensive. And uh, the Antarctic is mm. a 16,000 foot mountain, but it was... $35,000, I mean, it was doable. Logistically, mm -hmm. it was a challenge. But uh, and I kept doing this for a while. And then I, you know, I mean, my kids were getting older. I was starting to realize a lot of the activities that I chose to do were very high adrenaline, mm -hmm. dangerous things. And mm -hmm. I thought maybe I should tone this down a little bit. Mm -hmm. The body started wearing out, needed new knees, mm -hmm. you know, and... Uh, Little by little, I stopped doing those things after about five of those mountains, and uh, I got my knees replaced. I'm mm -hmm. bionic man now, mm -hmm. titanium, mm -hmm. uh, three years ago, and I'm in pretty good shape, and yeah. uh, getting a second win, so to speak, mm -hmm. so I'm kind of thinking about next year starting again the mountain that I first started on, that Mount Shasta, mm -hmm. Northern California, and yeah. you mentioned you may have some interest in that, or mm -hmm. Kilimanjaro, so... It'll give me some uh, goal yeah. to uh, stay in shape. Yeah. Keep, excuse me, showing up every day to do something, basically, mm -hmm. instead of, you know, snooze. Yeah, it's funny. You need, we were talking about that, you need some kind of purpose, some kind of goal. When you have a big goal like that, you have something to get out of bed for, you know, and you realize, like, days are ticking away. You're going to be reaching that date soon, and if mm -hmm. you're not ready for it, you know, right. you're not going to be able to do the thing you want to do. Right. And so... Yeah, I mean, we were talking a little bit yesterday, but like, you know, Mount Shasta would be a great beginner mountain to actually go up and summit. Sure. And then from there, Kilimanjaro. When you did Kilimanjaro, what was your team like? Team was like uh, three buddies from Santa Rosa, California. And we just put this trip together on our own. We uh, hired a guide service for Kilimanjaro. You need a guide service. Mm. Uh, you need to hire their local guides. They're like your porters, mm -hmm. Sherpas, so to speak, Africans. And uh, they put everything together, but we chose a six-day climb, which was one more than the five-day climb, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> which is a lot faster, basically. Okay. So we took a slower route and uh, nothing easier, yeah. still significant. Kilimanjaro is over 20,000 feet, basically, mm -hmm. and you go through many different jungle zones, uh, less dense green scrubs, uh, plant zones, mm -hmm. rocky bands more dry rocky bands to eventually, uh, you know, just glaciated kind of uh, the top of the mountain basically and uh, snow and quite difficult. And, you know, usually all mountains you start 12 o'clock at night, one o'clock in the morning. So the snow is really hard and oh, okay. dangerous. So you got your headlamps on and it's cold and you have your mm -hmm. ice crampons on to keep you from slipping and sliding around. And uh, up is always a lot easier and a lot of people forget climbing a mountain involves getting back too yeah. so you need to be able to have enough energy to mm -hmm. get back mm -hmm. and your body has to 
be able to get back. I mm. mean, I mean, I can remember coming out and my knees were so in so much pain. I was like lagging behind and the main our guide said, he used to say slowly, which means poli poli mm. in Swahili. And he'd say, poli poli, just go slow when you're mm -hmm. going up. But <laughs> going down, everybody's running down the mountain, oh, okay. running back, because what took you six days to get up, you're going back out in one day, one oh. long push. Oh, wow. And he's there, poli poli up only, not poli poli down, not slowly, you know what I mean? But every step was yeah. a, a immense pain. Which led me to a year or two later to just finally take the uh, plunge and get those knees replaced. Mm -hmm. and I wish I would have did that 10, 15 years earlier. But uh, then we went on a safari, and I mean, it was very, uh, wow. I mean, just fantastic. I mean, yeah. the mountain climb, the culmination, everybody summited to the top. Yeah. Um, you know, we had a very nice, exclusive hotel in the bush, in the jungle with... Uh, all the trimmings and mm -hmm. the great food and mm -hmm. the bug nets and mm -hmm. you know nice visually to look at you know what I mean mm -hmm. uh, first class basically so we chose the right uh, guide service that had all those accommodations and the right help and um, you know you're going into the safari and it's, and it's like not even big hills sometimes it's kind of brush and little little hilly dry mm -hmm. river beds and you're going in there you're thinking there ain't gonna be much to see in here, man, you mm -hmm. know, and you keep going and you keep going and that Jeep and whatever, all of a sudden there's a herd of gazelles, all of a sudden there's some giraffes, all of a sudden there's an elephant blocking your way, mm -hmm. trying to charge you almost a little oh, bit wow. where you can't get through, them big flappy ears are mm -hmm. coming out, then you see the uh, lady lions, mm -hmm. you know, with a bunch of their cubs in the dry creek bed and yeah. the jaguar or leopard or whatever that is perched up in that tree just mm -hmm. you know what i mean resting in the really wonderful i mean you know this maasai local tribe they're nomads they dress in red and they're really dark and uh they got knives and swords and mm. they build thatched mud places and stay there for as long as they want then they move on to the next ones i mm -hmm. mean you know so um talk about trusting life Trusting life, yeah. I mean, have an abundance. God has given you what you mm -hmm. need, you know. Mm -hmm. I mean, so yeah. And that's what I got to remember when I see these things and yeah. I see these people and I see these people just here at the bus stop or on the street. They're selling a wheelbarrow full of mangoes, mm -hmm. and I think, you know, God's been good to me. Mm -hmm. I don't have to go sell mangoes, you know, mm -hmm. out of, out mm -hmm. a, a wheelbarrow, you know. Mm -hmm. and, but they're doing it. You yeah, know, they're doing it. And a lot of times, these people are very happy. I seen. People living in squalor, the happiest yeah. in my life. And yeah. I'm thinking in America, we're so spoiled in the West. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just you have everything, you mm -hmm. have a sense of entitlement, and uh, you should be getting more. Mm -hmm. You deserve more, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. It's really not true. I mean, yeah. you should have more gratitude, possibly, and God will provide more abundance for you whenever yeah. you're appreciative and mm -hmm. can take care of your own. Mm -hmm acre mm -hmm. you know, right here in your life mm -hmm. you can take care of one acre really well god give you three acres mm -hmm. you know spirit mm -hmm. so it's something i've learned here too is like you don't need much you, you think you need stuff but you really don't need that much yeah. you know and some of those basic things like healthy food being able to go to the the ocean and swim all these little things they fill your cup up you know right. versus you know back home you're you go get your starbucks you go for a drive you know you might connect with someone but it's like here, life is happening. It's alive, you know, and you see that in the way Something's people... Something's different. Something's different, yeah. Something's different here. Yeah, and, uh, you know, just, just to 
route some of the, the people we're talking to, I want to dialogue a little bit more about mindset around what was the mindset when you were climbing these mountains? Because going through that is like a real, it's a commitment, it's a goal, you've said you want to do it, but midway through, you might not want to do it. You know, how does that, how was that for you? Well, you know, <coughs> excuse me, climbing a mountain is um, extremely difficult, can be treacherous, you know, and uh, you start to think as you're hiking, you know, what am I doing this for? I could mm -hmm. be on the beach in Myrtle <laughs> Beach, South Carolina somewhere, mm -hmm. you know, or I could be in Las Vegas having a steak. Mm -hmm. and, and why am I doing this? So you have to process that and justify the, um, you know, the, the extreme difficulty of doing that. And, mm -hmm. and because the reward is delayed gratification. You know, mm -hmm. uh, in the West, we go for immediate gratification. I want that ice cream sundae right now. I don't mm -hmm. want to wait until tonight mm -hmm. for that ice cream sundae. So the gratification is delayed, so you're suffering a lot, and it could be days and weeks actually, mm. till the end, and mm -hmm. the end is the moment of euphoria. But to do these things too, it forces you to be in the moment. You have to be in the now. You could be on a knife's edge ridge, and if you're not focusing on that moment, and you're thinking about the future or the past, near or far future or past, I mean, you could just lose your life. You could slip and go. Yeah. So a lot of people choose these extreme adrenaline kind of activities because you're forced to mm -hmm. go into the moment. Mm -hmm. You're forced to go into the now. Yeah. It, it, it's hard to prepare for it. It's only a lot of physical. Yeah. Well, it's mental it as is mental. well. Yeah. And emotional disciplines, you know, that I'm going to finish this out no matter what. Mm -hmm. And I have a hard time mustering that up now uh, yeah. where I'm at in my life now. So I'm trying to recover that. And hopefully my trip to Costa Rica. Yeah. Well, I think I think it brings us back to like you know when we were in Monteverde, um, I had I had uh, signed up and pre-prepared to do this. I think it was a kilometer long, the slowest zip line, and it was I think it was like a hundred bucks with some some bridges and uh, I think it was a hummingbird uh, tour, you know. And we were set up to go there. I think it was for seven thirty, and we're having breakfast. I think at seven, <laughs> and. Uh, uh, Steve was like, you know, Graham's just going to show you something right now. You know, he's going to, I'm going to show you the way we actually do things extreme. Oh, and, uh, pause. Give me one second. Yeah. So when we went, uh, that morning, you're like, I have another one here. And you showed me the brochure, Extremo, uh, Extremo Parks, uh, 11 zip lines and a Tarzan swing is like the wildest one in Costa Rica. And it was like half the price. And in that moment, I remember feeling like, ah, like, okay. <laughs> like, A, I'm thinking, part of me was thinking, you know, we made this plan, let's stay on the plan. The other part of me was like, damn, extreme, it's gonna be high up, you know. I had a little sense of, a uh, little fear of heights in the back of my head. And then I was like, you know what, if we can get in, okay. And uh, I, the lady there, she was she was a great host and she helped us uh, call and set everything up. Mm. And uh, yeah, last minute we sign up for the eight o'clock tour to go and do this. And when we went there, that was, that was an adventure, man. That was one of the highlights of my trip. Like you do the first, it's 11 zip lines and uh, you do the first one and you know, you're alone, you get a little bit high into the mountain. You take the next zip line, you hike up and you get a little higher in the mountain. And you do this again and again and again and you're getting higher and higher in the mountain. And uh, nothing can really prepare you for when you get to that point where it, we're, we're uh, 
going on the longest zip line. I think it's what was it one and a half kilometers, and uh, you're above <coughs> eight hundred feet of canopy. So you know cows are looking small from there. Mm-hmm. And and this one they want you to do the Superman uh, zip line. So this isn't you hanging and holding on to it with the one hand in the back. This is full surrender. I'm lying forward. They're gonna harness my back, harness my feet, and you're gonna supposed to go forward, you know, in complete trust. And that was an experience. We were with a little group of, uh, you know, other people who were doing it. And I'm like, if we can do this, we can do anything, you know? And there's a lot of like anticipation that's just, your mind is racing, your mind is racing. Right. And then you actually go and do it. And you're like, wow. Like, I remember doing it. And I'm like, okay, I'm doing it. Might as well keep my eyes open and embrace <laughs> this. It's going to be done soon. Yeah. And, um, yeah, that was an experience. And I realized my mind couldn't predict it. You know, I, you can't predict what those experiences are like. You just gotta show up and do it and say yes. And and then that led to the last part, which was the Tarzan swing. And this this was interesting because you're climbing higher and higher and higher. It's like going to the top of one of those electricity poles and you're about, I think, 90 meters from the ground and it's a platform. And as I, I remember getting up there, first thing I hear is the girl scream and she does, she does her drop. It's one person at a time. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, now there's no real going back down. There's only one way down. And you're feeling the wind, you're seeing the vista, and you're just thinking, I can only go down by holding on to this thing. And I have no clue what that's gonna be like. And I remember seeing the platform, there's like five guys ahead there. And the lady in front of me, she goes, we're praying. And then Steve comes up and he's like, we're gonna do this, huh? And I'm like, we're gonna do this. We're safe, we're protected, we've been doing our prayers. And uh, there was a sense of real like, whoa, we're about to go and do this. And then I remember it was my turn to go and I say, okay, God bless Steve, we're gonna see you on the other side there. And I go up and uh, the guy's like, come here, Samir, and he starts to harness me up and then he realizes my size. And he's like, oh, one minute, one moment, we need to adjust. I'm like, take all the time you need, man. Like, <laughs> there's no second tries here for me. So he then extends the rope. Then he comes, calls me, gets the other guys. They do like yeah. three or four harnesses and they remove the ground from underneath you. And you're holding onto this rope. And I'm like, man, this doesn't feel comfortable. Can I hold it this way? And the guy's like, no, you gotta hold it underneath. I'm like, oh God. And then I'm just staring out into the distance. My body's tense. I'm holding on. And then the platform's removed and I'm just hanging. And the guy's looking and he's like, Samir, look up. Say, and then he's just like, Pure Vida, Samir. And I'm just looking. I give him a smile. He's recording on the GoPro. And then he's like, enjoy. And I'm like, you son of a gun. Like, I'm just sitting there and I'm realizing I have no control right now. I don't know when they're going to pull it. I don't know. They're not going to tell me. And then all of a sudden, they release it. And when they released it, there's a video on my Instagram, if you wanna go see, I yell the loudest I've ever yelled in my <laughs> life. Like from the base of my spine, I exhaled and it was, it, was a, it was a yell of terror and full letting go. And then at the bottom, complete silence. It was like I went in and I had nothing left to yell and then did it. And you know, it was funny cause uh, some of the girls were watching and waiting for us. They're like, let go, let go of your hands. I'm like, I can't let go. <laughs> And so then finally I pendulum, I slow down and I'm like exhilarated. I'm on a different level of, you know, cloud nine. That was an experience of, that was a peak experience of stepping through fear because Mm -hmm. that was a real surrender. And I'm like, there's a chance you die here, but there's also a chance that it goes okay. You know? And I was like, if I get through this, 
there's nothing that I should hold myself back. If I need to go speak in front of 100,000 people, I can go do it now. And then uh, we're getting off. I get, I get undone and I'm, I'm just, I'm happier. I can't take the smile off my face. I'm just feeling exhilarated. And then, we're, and then we're looking up, we're saying, Steve's going next. And me and some of the other girls were watching. And I'm wondering what it was going to be like watching you come down, you know, because there was a little anticipation. I remember telling you, I was like, man, you've climbed, you've climbed base camp Mount Everest. You've done Mount McKinley. What is this? This is, you've got this. And I think it was just the journey that had led us there. You know, all the zip lines, you're tired. And then all of a sudden I see, and then Steve goes, guy comes down literally swinging without, with one hand let go, no yells, just just with grace and poise you're just going down like you own this thing so tell me what that was like for you and when that experience was jumping up and then coming no, down no just you got to climb up to that platform and that's i bungee jumped a couple of times and uh there's a lot of fear there and i'm thinking maybe i just ought to walk right back down i don't, yeah. I don't really need this i did a bunch of zip lines already and uh i thought well you know what it ain't gonna kill you let's mm. just go do it and i was the last one and uh when I when I parachuted that one time, I remember being so afraid, and you know the guy wanted me to jump, and I'm strapped in with a guy tandem, and he's kind of going to the camera, three, two, one. He pushed me out. Hmm. You can just be in fear, or you could say, hey, this is the most expensive amusement park ride <laughs> that I'm going to pay for in my life. Let's just enjoy it. Then you yeah. start. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. all this stuff. So I mean, yeah. I, I sort of had that experience already. So I went with that with the the Tarzan swing and. Uh, I mean, it's a pendulum swing. It's way up here. It's yeah. It's it's steep, you know. But uh, I thought I seen somebody ahead of me. They were no hands. You yeah. Know what I mean, yeah. it gives you more of a taste and feeling of vulnerability whenever yeah. you're not, you yeah, know, holding on like that. So yeah. I I don't know why. No scream, no anything. But yeah. uh, but it was good. But I'll tell you what. That's been over about four or five weeks ago, and mm. I still when you I feel turn it. over and sleep in bed, you can feel it's the ribs, ribs over here because yeah. on the t- uh, the Superman. You stop yourself on these zip lines. This is the longest zip line in South America. I think it's 1.2 kilometers. But, you know, usually you're held up in a zip line mm-hmm. there and you have a glove and you pull this to stop mm-hmm. the line. On the Superman, you're laying down like that, like you were describing, and you don't break yourself. They no. break you. And you're coming in fast to this you're platform. And there's really big metal tripod braces right here. And I'm thinking, is he gonna pull? Yeah. How's he gonna stop me? And yeah. I just felt like I was coming in a helmet and everything. Yeah. I would have got creamed, you know what yeah. I mean? So right at the end, he pulled something that kind of jolts you, threw me all yeah. around, and it, it bothered me. So I'm still dealing with that, but yeah. uh, that's gonna heal up uh, eventually. Mm-hmm. And uh, but saying yeah. yes, saying yes to these things, regardless of that story your mind's coming up with, you know, like even you, like that experience was like, you know, I've done, I've done this before. Why, why do this now, right? And that's something that's been constantly inspiring when I've seen you in this journey. It's just been your willingness to be uncomfortable, the willingness to go beyond that, that story that comes up, you know? Tell me a little bit about that. After, after we split up in Tamarindo, I went down to a little surf town called Samara, 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 mm-hmm. and it's just a one-horse town, but I stayed some time down there and I wanted to go to another one-horse town that I had to completely go back and backtrack on and it's a big workaround to get to there and uh <clears throat> you know from samurai i had to get up six o'clock in the morning my first inclination was to buy a ticket at eight but costa rica is a morning country and a lot of stuff gets done in the morning so i went back and i said i want to change that ticket for a 6 a.m flight because i had to 
take a bus from Samra to Santa Cruz, Costa Rica, from Santa Cruz to Nicoya, mm. from Nicoya to someplace else, mm -hmm. and then eventually Santa Teresa. But then it was going to be an all-day jaunt, but still, from Nicoya, I went to Punta, no, Jacarel, mm -hmm. and that's where the big ferry, giant ferry, takes you across the inlet, mm -hmm. like a bay, it's a big bay or whatever that separates this peninsula from the mainline, uh, mainland, actually, uh, to Punta Arenas, and I just didn't think I could do these things, mm -hmm. you know, so yeah. I've constantly, for the last two months, been stepping out of my comfort zone, quite frequently, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, I just have a small amount of clothes and whatever, and I wash my clothes every night, I take care of myself, I do impeccable grooming with myself, you mm -hmm. know, figure out how to get haircuts, change money, eat healthy food, and mm -hmm. I mean, just keep on plugging away one foot in front of the other and just whatever I'm guided to do, mm -hmm. I mean, you know, to, for the best possible result mm -hmm. in, you know, the, the adventure that I'm going on and the chapter of life that I'm going on at this period. Mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to many more. Yeah, you realize it's all opened up now. Everything's yeah, open. It's, it's a like, big world out here, man. Yeah, it's like from Costa Rica, I feel like Costa Rica was an initiation for us, you know, right. and it's like, now it's like, oh, we can go to Europe, you can go to Southeast Asia, you can go anywhere, really. And you realize it's more of the same and, and it's all of this listening to yourself, you know, and trusting yourself. And um, I'm excited to see how the adventure continues Absolutely. to unfold. And even like, you know, we didn't quite know if we were going to connect again. There was a sense that, you know, if it can happen, it'll happen. And it's been nice to have this last week and a half, you know, you, you came up to Capos, I came down and we've been able to spend time and get into a little bit of a regiment, you know, going and working out in front of the ocean, do some Wim Hof breathing, a little meditation, you know, and you realize really quickly, like, you can you can put these practices into effect, but you gotta keep saying yes when you wake up. You know, first thing you wake up and you're like, do I wanna stay in bed, you know? Do I, do I wanna push it by an hour? But you gotta go, and when you go, that's when the magic happens, you Absolutely. know? And, uh, yeah, it's been a real treasure to just be able to have this dialogue and to this experience. Some of the things I wanted to ask you about were really around what what are your plans when you go back? Because, um, you know, for the audience, they don't know to, as much about you as I do now. But tell me a little bit about like rattlesnake hunting, uh, what the camping looks like out there, being adventurous, what the outdoors are like. What does that look like for you? Okay, I'll elaborate on that and then we're going to close it out from there. Okay, I got you. I agree. I got and, you. Uh, so I live in Western Pennsylvania. That's a former little steel town. It's called Johnstown. It's like a mini Pittsburgh. There's a lot of nature there, hills, valleys, mountains, creeks, rivers, uh, <clears throat> biking paths and whatever. So uh, I have children and grandchildren and a great grandson there. I have a mother, 92 years old, and uh, it'll be a completely different life. I'm mm -hmm. not really extremely excited about looking forward to going back to mm -hmm. this life, but I feel like two months was good for me here, and I learned a lot about myself. I've recovered myself somewhat and got through the initial end stages of the shock of that divorce and everything like that. So. Uh, we have great fishing there. We have a lot of trout fishing. We have a lot of bass, crappie, pike, musky lunge fishing. We have <clears throat> mushroom picking. We mm -hmm. have a wide variety of edible mushrooms. That uh, We have a lot of festivals that coming up. There's a big motorcycle festival coming up called Thunder in the Valley that mm -hmm. gets 200,000 people there. In the you have a motorcycle? I have a motorcycle mm -hmm. of Harley-Davidson, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, we use that occasionally. Okay, you know? yeah. 
And I started during the pandemic taking uh, up what we have in Pennsylvania is called ginseng. And mm. if you don't know what ginseng is, you can look that up, but that's like a, a root. And usually it's produced by the Chinese and South Koreans, and they have red Panax ginseng, and it's like an elixir, a tonic mm -hmm. for your body, and mm -hmm. has a lot of benefits. And uh, we have white ginseng. I'm going to try to produce the Latin name for you out of okay. my mouth. But, yeah, uh, don't stress. Panax quinifolius. Okay. And the Chinese, ironically, and the South Koreans, the rich guys, they like our Pennsylvania. Mm. So, uh, ginseng. So, I, during the pandemic, I learned and uh, got a mentor to show mm -hmm. me how to pick ginseng. And then I wanted it, since I was a hunter and a fisherman, mm -hmm. I wanted to hunt rattlesnakes. Yeah. Because <laughs> we, have, we have giant uh, timber rattlers there so yeah. i mean i've been hunting rattlesnakes for a couple years how do you uh, how do you get into that because that's not something your average you know even an established hunter i don't think they're just thinking that was the pandemic you and know? looking at youtube videos wow. and seeing what's going on in pennsylvania something right. flashes up in front of your screen and you look into that and you say wow look at that yeah Being dangerous can i how they hold those things i mean i yeah. might get bit I, yeah so there's a you know a learning curve for anything i mm. mean that you want, want to do in life to mm -hmm. You know, people do base jumping off giant mm -hmm. buildings. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, it's something I wouldn't do. I yeah. had a dream about that years ago. I should oh, yeah. have did it years ago. But yeah. I mean, you know, but... Uh, Tarzan swing was the equivalent. Tarzan swing, <laughs> yeah. something far-fetched, something... Yeah. I still like adrenaline. Seven yeah. years old. Well, it's... And that's adrenaline, man. Yeah. You know, I mean, live... live Live while you're alive, mm -hmm. because death is right around the corner. Mm -hmm. Who knows? I mean, you know. So, yeah. uh, and it's one of those things that I think there's a common thread here. All those activities bring you into the moment. Bring you into the moment. Right. Even rollerblading. Yeah. I mean, you got to pay attention to your feet. Mm -hmm. Where you're going to make that turn. And mm -hmm. rollerblading brings you right into the moment. So all these activities really refocus your attention. Yeah. To the small moment. Yeah. You know, and. Uh, and that's where your that's power where the, is. That's where the power is. That's where the beauty of your life is. That's mm. where the elixir of life lives. I mean, it's in that moment yeah. between thoughts. Yeah. The thoughts are what poison it. Yeah. You know? yeah. Because future thoughts are anxiety, past thoughts are regret, mm. I mean, remorse. So right here and now is where the contentment lies. Mm -hmm. you know? The love, the peace, the contentment, the happiness, the joy, it's yeah. all in the present yeah it's all in the present man i think that's a beautiful way to wrap up i'm so grateful for our time man like life brought us together i call that dialogue with life you know we're on our own journeys and the way we've met and to see this uh relationship develop and what adventures we had along the way i'm excited for the adventures to come you know uh this is our first dialogue with steve and i think the next one will be sometime next year when we're climbing a mountain together or going on our next adventure so appreciate you man love you with all my heart i'm grateful you got to come through and Pura Vida, pure life. Pure life. Yeah, so we'll be back again soon, guys. Thank you for joining me on this episode. And uh, have a beautiful and blessed day. Pura Vida.